Thank you, Lord Jesus. So this scripture I was reading, I've been meditating on actually for months. I've been waiting for the right opportunity to, to kind of speak about it. And this is an interesting scripture. Jesus is um, giving us parables and he's speaking uh, to the people of God about the idea of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is really, and it's not really a complicated, actually Matthew refers to it as the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, you'll see those two, two used, it's either the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, right? And both of those two things really speak to a spiritual and a spiritual realm that of which God is the head. He is the king. This ignores borders, this ignores cultures, this ignores countries, this ignores um, your laws. This is about seeing God as the head of our lives. This is about positioning God as king and judge and the ruler over our lives. So in order to describe this new relationship with God, he uses these parables to describe it. Right, so he uses this constantly. In this particular example, he's actually talking about something specific and I'm gonna use this to kind of talk about something more general for us. So in this, I wanna read the verse again. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven, this spiritual area that God is the head of, is like unto treasure hid in a field. This is like treasure hidden in a field. Okay, then he then goes on to say, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. So somebody comes along to this field and finds the treasure in the field. And when he finds it, because he's so happy, he goes and sells everything he has and doesn't go get the treasure. He buys the whole field. Like he buys everything. He sells everything he has because he knows how precious that thing in the middle is. Like he's recognized there's a treasure hidden in the middle of the field and that's the thing. I'm so happy and so wonderfully glad about the treasure that I'll sell everything to get the whole field. <laughs> you see how that works? He's not just buying the treasure, he's buying the whole field. Even though the field isn't the valuable part, the treasure in the middle is the valuable part, but he doesn't care. He's so happy, I'll buy everything around it. I, when we were younger, Sean, you'll remember this, when we were younger, we used to have we were Jamaican um, culture, we came out of the Jamaican culture, and so our parents would, would cook boiled um, dumplings and potato. Right? Beautiful, right? Wonderful, tasty treat that we used to have. However, the thing we loved the most was the dumplings. The thing everybody in the house loved the most was the dumpling. The potato, we endured the potato. We didn't, the potatoes were good fillers but it was the dumpling everybody wanted. Like, no one ever begged mom for more potatoes. Never happened. We did beg for more dumplings. And the way my mom used to do it was this. She said, hey, if you want another dumpling, you gotta have another potato because they're married. When we were younger, you kind of, that's a good argument. That, that's a really good argument when you're younger. But if that's the deal, give me the potato and give me the dumpling. Like I'm willing to endure that part if you give me the good part. Jesus is sending you the same thing here. He is actually from his perspective saying, look, there's only a few of you that really are gonna get this, but I will die for the whole world if I get you the one I love. 
you see how much he loves us? He is getting the whole field because he loves us. And I think sometimes we underestimate the love he has for us. Imagine how much you gotta love something to buy everything around it just to make sure you get it. <laughs> like that's how much he loved us. And I'm asking us to get this kind of love in ourselves when it comes back to him. I just said at the start that he blesses us, but we can bless him, right? Meaning that this is a relationship of two ways. He gives up everything and buys everything for us, and we end up being just the treasure in the middle. We end up being that precious thing in the middle. He simultaneously is looking at us and saying, what are you willing to do for me? Jesus is calling us to a higher standard of living, calling us to be the ones who centers love in our life, causing us, calling us to be the ones who sacrifice. And you say to yourself, mm, I'm not sure if I feel like doing this all the time. But the thing is, in order to get salvation, which is the treasure, I'm gonna buy the whole field. I'm gonna do the things that are a bit, the things that I don't like as much, the things that need more from me, because I know that there's treasure in the field. <laughs> Some of the things you are asked to endure, scripture tells us one of the ones I struggle with, I will tell you right now, the one thing I struggle with is that when Jesus says, love your enemies because you get, loving the people who love you is easy. Everybody does that. Jesus says, love your enemies. Whew, I'm still struggling with that one. I'm still working on me in that one. But if I want the pleasure of the treasure, I've got to buy the whole field. I can't just pick what I want, I've got to buy the whole field. Jesus said, another one challenges me all the time, if somebody strikes you on your left cheek, turn your right... Whew. <laughs> that's a tough one, I'm not from that... That's not what we were taught when we come... If they hit you, hit back, that's what we were taught, right? In some cases, that's probably appropriate. But Jesus is calling us to a higher place. He's saying, you want to be with me? Take the whole field. It happens in reverse. Let me go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I want you to look at the way this is described. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 2 and 3. It says this. Looking unto Jesus, we are looking at the example of Christ, the author, the person who started this, the person and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who is the reason we have this faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross because there was joy that was around, that was us. So he looked at what the joy was, which was relationship with us, and said, I am willing to endure everything else if it means relationship with us. This sounds very much like when uh, two people meet for the very first time, and they fall in romantic love, and then at some point they fall in, in what I describe as real love, and then they make these vows to each other in marriage, 
and they say, as part of the vows, they say, till death do us part. They say, in sickness and in health. They are trying to tell you in that declaration in front of everybody that not only do I recognize the treasure that's sitting in front of me right now, but I recognize that at some point there's going to be a lot of field around the treasure. Like it's not always going to be like this. This day represents one moment, but there is so much more to what it is to have a journey with somebody. But I love that person so much that regardless of what the field looks like, regardless of how the field gets bad, regardless of that it's in the wilderness, I am buying the field and the treasure. Everything about this relationship I am committed to. What do we have with salvation is the same thing. We're saying to the Lord, Lord, the things that you've done for me, I gladly receive it. And the things I need from you, I'm gladly going to do it because that's the field I'm buying. <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Like if you want to have relationship with me, I want you to do the things that I tell you to do. Sometimes I think we all, all we want is the dumpling of the relationship. Yeah. Like that's all we want. We don't want anything, we don't want anything else. <laughs> and we are trying to push, I don't know if you, <laughs> we, we used to foster children coming up as well. Um, one of the things that we used to do, they used to have to get used to the way we eat, because my mom wasn't cooking any other way, right? So they had to get used to the way we eat really quickly or you're going to find that there's not going to be much left else for you to eat. You're going to be eating cereal three times a day. <laughs> right? So mom used to prepare food and she used to make sure there always used to be a vegetable, used to be cabbage, some kind of, some kind of cabbage or something else that she would do. Um, and the, the kids used to want to always just get to the meat because it was nice and salty and savory, had a wonderful taste. No one wanted the other parts. You wanted to avoid the parts that didn't look like treasure, didn't look like the thing you wanted. But she recognized that in order to have a healthy meal, you have to realize there's more to it than just the thing you actually want. There's the thing that you need in order to get to the thing you want. So she used to artificially, like I said to you already, she used to artificially create relationships between potatoes and dumplings between cabbage and dumplings. I'm like, what, how many marriages does dumplings have? How many times are you going to make me have a relationship with the dumpling and the... But she was trying to do something. She was trying to let you understand that there's value in the whole meal. There's value there. And if you're going to get to the thing you love the most, you're going to have to love the things that are around it. The second example, let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew. And it says in Matthew 46, 45, again, the kingdom of heaven, going back to this kingdom of heaven where the Lord is the head, where he's the spiritual head of our lives. This isn't about laws, this isn't about cultures, this isn't about peoples, this isn't about lands, this is about our relationship in a kingdom of which God is the head. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, 
who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this merchant, he's got money, he's got things, but the thing is he finds out that there's this pearl that he really, really wants. Like the thing he really, really wants is the pearl. So he's willing to sell everything he's accomplished and got to that point in order to get at the pearl. That's the thing that we love. But all the things that he has, he's willing to give them up. This is the relationship we have with the Lord. Lord, we understand, and to be truthful, this is the other way around first. This is the Lord giving up everything for us first. This is the Lord going to the cross for us because he loves us first. This relationship, really, this is the right way around to teach this, is that he loved us first, so he gave everything up for us. King of the kings, Lord of lords, yet he's the one who sacrifices the most to mend this relationship. I'm simply reversing this and saying, we now need to do the same to maintain this relationship. There's some things that you're gonna want to do, that you're gonna to have to give up to have a relationship with the Lord. There's some things that we would love to rather do, but we're gonna say, I'm gonna give this to you, Lord. I'm buying everything, I'm buying your salvation, I'm buying this peace of mind, I'm buying this joy, but I'm also going to endure hardship like a good soldier. I'm also going to trust you when things aren't going well like you want me to. I'm going to follow your way, follow your will, follow your word, because that's what you desire for me. Thank you, Jesus. So the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant seeking goodly, seeking good seeking goodly pearls of great price went and sold all he had and bought it once you found a treasure you will realize that everything else compared to that treasure isn't as valuable as you thought like none of his effects none of his valuables all of them became of little value when you find the thing of most value Let's look at it from Christ's standpoint. He is described as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is described as Alpha and Omega. He is described as everlasting to everlasting. He is described as omniscient and omnipresent, meaning he knows everything and is everywhere, right? And yet we are here the opposite of all the things I've just mentioned, right? And yet he is here mending the relationship with us, knowing that only a few people will listen to his voice, knowing that only a few people will actually gravitate to his message of salvation. But what does he do? He doesn't simply die for us who he knows who will receive it. He decides for the whole world because in order to get to the treasure that is us, he has to die for everybody. Which means the nature of the sacrifice has to cover every eventuality. So now when I realize I want relationship with the Lord, I'm saying, Lord, there's nothing I won't give up for you. Lord, there's nothing I won't make realigned to your way. 
Lord, give me an opportunity to kind of take the things that are not like you out my life and let me draw closer to you. Even if it means the things I enjoy, even if it means having to eat that potato, I'm gonna get to your salvation. Let me, let me share a couple more scriptures. Let me share a couple more scriptures. Um, James chapter one and verse 12, if you could go there. James chapter one and verse 12. James chapter one and 12 reads this way. He said, blessed is the man, blessed, remember a few months ago we were talking about this idea of blessed. Blessed is somebody who's complete. Blessed is somebody who's, who's, who's satisfied. Blessed is somebody who's joyful and hopeful. Blessed is somebody who has received enough, somebody who is spiritually gained and has, has enough to be satisfied, right? And here he says, blessed is that man who endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Just the mere promise is enough to make my troubles good, right? There's a promise. That's why in the first, when I read that first one, the guy doesn't actually buy the field immediately. In fact, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden unto in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy goeth. Meaning, he hasn't got the treasure yet. He doesn't get the treasure, he just identifies the treasure and then goes and makes preparation to get the treasure. So you don't get the treasure first, but you, get, you have a vision of what the treasure might be, and that promise is enough to make you go and sell everything you have. I'm here to suggest to you that the scriptures ask of us very specific sets of questions that ask us to give up certain lifestyles, just to be a particular kind of way. It's what I described as a holy people for a holy God. That's what the scripture describes us as. It says we are peculiar people. We're kind of different. We do things a little bit differently. And the scripture tells us that this holy people are a, have purpose that is primarily and in God. And we can't have any other purpose but in God. That means us giving up some things that other people don't have to give up. But we are willing to do it, why? because of the promises of God. Because at the heart of this is a promise that is the treasure we have in God. Don't worry about what the field looks like. I need you to focus on the treasure. The field is supposed to be just a wild place. The field is something that has grown out of control. But the treasure is where the joy is. The treasure is where the joy is. And sometimes I think we spend, because the, the, ultimately the field is much bigger than the, the location of the treasure. And so it can allow, sometimes we get, a, get focused on the field rather than the treasure. But if you were to tell, if I, you were, somebody was to tell me, I'm gonna give you three acres of land, <laughs> and right in the middle is $10 million, but you have to spend 3,000 on the three acres. That seems like a good deal to me not because of the rest of the land, but because of the location of the treasure inside the land. <laughs> you know, it's funny, at the start of the, of the last century, um, people were buying up land across the United States um, in what was a oil hunt, hunt for oil. 
people were buying vast tracts of land and only certain pockets of the land ended up being very valuable because there was what they referred to as liquid gold underneath the ground, right? So they immediately committed lots of money to land that was otherwise useless to them. And they would put a drill right where the oil was because that's where the only value was. But they were happy to buy the entire field because of the, of the joy of the treasure that was right in the middle. I'm not asking you to enjoy everything about giving up on different parts of what is the world and the things that are in the world. I'm asking you to fall in love with the treasure. Gosh, sometimes, sometimes there are some places I refuse to go these days because I don't think it quite matches the life I want to live for Christ. And you're saying to yourself, well, wouldn't it be nice to go? Yeah, sometimes it might have been interesting. But I am so in love with the treasure. I am so in love with the part that he's given me that I'm willing to give up everything else. I need you to get that in love with the Lord. The scripture tells us to not love the world, nor the things in the world, because all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh and the, of the eyes. Basically, all the things that makes it attractive to look at. There are whole departments in companies whose only objective is to get you to purchase something. Like, they don't sell, they don't actually make anything. Their whole objective is to make it, to select the right colors, the right size, the right packaging, the right lettering and wording to make you buy something else. That's what the world is. It's all about the surface. There's no treasure in the middle of it. They're trying to make you love the field. And I'm trying to make you love the treasure that's hidden in the field. Don't worry about what it looks like because the field is not the value. The value is the treasure. The value. One more scripture. Can you read this one for me, sir? St. John chapter 14, verse 1. St. John chapter 14, verse 1, then I'll let you go this afternoon. And it came to pass. It came to pass. 14, verse 1. Did I get that right? That's the one. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe also in me. And in my father's house. Yep. Are many in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so. Yep. I would have told you. Here he's saying to the disciples, he's just told them I'm going to be leaving, but I don't want you to worry about it. I've just given you some field news, but I want to give you now some treasure news. Like Jesus is telling them, I'm going to leave you alone for a while. I have to go, but I don't want you to worry about it because what I'm doing is treasure, <laughs> right? Sometimes I think when we look at our lives, we worry about the things that are surrounding our lives. You know, I was thinking about the relationship I have with my wife. That was something we needed to create and hone and work on. It's no shame for me to say that. We needed to work on it. There was parts of it that were difficult because we were two human beings, not knowing each other, not coming from two different cultures, two different countries, two different languages, and we had to come together. Now, if I focused on the field part of the relationship, maybe I'd have said, "Ma, this isn't working. But I looked at the treasure, which was her, and I said, this is worth it. I'm gonna make this work because the treasure is too good to lose. This relationship we have to, with God is too good to mess up on 
because of some field around the treasure. Don't quit on the relationship with God. You're saying it doesn't fit my lifestyle. That's your field. Don't worry about your field. Get to the treasure. I'm praying that the Lord bless you, that he changes hearts today, and that we understand the treasure that is in the field of our relationship with the Lord. Sometimes it's easy to focus on all the wrong things. Um, I don't know if you've ever had one of those days where everything seems to be going right wrong, and then the one thing goes right and it makes the day okay. That's the treasure in the field, right? When you've had one of those long days and you're like, oh gosh, but then your spouse or your child makes dinner for you and it feels so great. It's just one thing they've done in a horrible day. That's what salvation is to us. It's the treasure in the field. It's that one thing that is good. I've spent six days, five days at work, another day trying to fix on the house, and I've got to church to give God thanks. That's my treasure. Gosh, that moment at work where my co-workers were giving me so much problems and trouble and grief, and that moment where I realize that the Lord is, is still with me, even though they're giving me so much grief. That's my treasure in the field. May the Lord add a blessing to his word.